Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Everybody have a good week? So we're actually in uh, our 10th week of this series. So we've been at it for about two and a half months now. Is everybody enjoying it? Everybody getting something out of it? I know every message doesn't speak to everybody every week, but I know it must be saying something to you because I've been finding it very enjoyable. Everybody comfortable? Because I hope by the time I'm done today, some of you are going to be uncomfortable. I, I hate to say it. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, my portion of this is uh, God speaks and we can trust his word. Uh, I started looking at this and uh, I was wondering what the facts were. You know, we've got this great book called the Bible. Uh, we pass out probably 50 of them a year, I would say. 50 to 100 of them a year probably. And I, caught, I started thinking about that. You hand this to somebody for the first time and they're going to read it. And it's going to be a great book. It talks about life and how to live it. Uh, I mean, one of the things that the Bible, the uh, acronym for it, basic instructions before leaving earth, right? Uh, there's another great book. Grapes of Wrath. It's a great book. Great author. Talks about hope, sacrifice, follows the Joad family through the Depression uh, from o uh, Oklahoma to California. It's a great book, but it's not true. Somebody reads this, it's got great stories in it. We got Moses, Noah, uh, the Ten Commandments, Paul, things that, are movie, that movies are made of. Uh, if we could bring up 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So we have this great book, and even says it's the truth. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for good work. So would that make it true to anybody that didn't believe in God? Probably not, it's just a great book. So then I started thinking about what proof do we have that the Bible is true? Uh, so I kind of went way back in time here. Y'all heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? Right. It's discovered in Israel in the 40s and the 50s. Uh, one important book in the Dead Sea Scrolls was Isaiah. Now, Isaiah, we use Isaiah a lot at Christmas time. It, it gives a pretty factual story of Jesus. Uh, if we could bring up uh, Isaiah 7:14. All right, then. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child... He will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Uh, next one is 9-6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I know a lot of you have probably heard some of these, 11-1. Out of the stump of David's family will shoot a root. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. Uh, we got uh, 43. Listen, this is the story, actually story of John the Baptist coming. Listen, it's a the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Uh, I got a couple more, uh, 52, 14, and 15. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man the suffering Jesus had to go through. And then we have 53, 5, and 7. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins, and he was beaten so we could be whole. 
He was whipped so we could be healed. It's interesting because uh, I kind of did some research. Anywhere between 55 and 300 prophecies were fulfilled by Jesus. The odds of just like eight or ten of those happening be fulfilled by one person is pretty astronomic. So if you're talking to somebody about the Bible and Jesus and says, you can kind of point out some of these things and say, look, this is what it says. And Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus even walked the face of the earth, which I think is pretty amazing. Uh, I did some more looking and I found this other book. It's called The Testimony of uh, Josephus. And I'll just read you what he wrote. Around this time there lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man. Interesting. For he was one who did surprising deeds, and a teacher of such people as accept the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. He was the Messiah. When Pilate, upon hearing him accused by men of the highest standing among us, had condemned him to be crucified, those who in the first place came to love him did not give up their affection for him. For on the third day he appeared to them restored to life. The prophets of God had prophesied this and countless other mar marvelous things about him. And the tribe of Christians so called after him have still to this day not died out. So this was written at a time before any of the disciples even died, before Stephen even got stoned. And of course back then there was more books written to point out that Jesus was actually a real person. Uh, when he was uh, resurrected. He was seen by 500 people. Very well documented. So you can put all these facts together and come up with the fact that, yeah, this is, this is true. This is the, the Word of God, the living Word of God. And then we can start applying some of the other scriptures to it. Uh, Isaiah 48, or 40, verse 8. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God stands forever. Uh, can I get Psalm 119? Your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in heaven. Your faithfulness extends to every generation as enduring as the earth you created. And then we've got Second uh, Peter. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from a prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So here we have that. We can start applying some of those scriptures to what the book actually tells us. And it's the truth. Uh, we can approach it with a whole another view. And at this, you know, when we start believing this, we can start giving our hearts over to the Lord and we can start trusting in Him to affect our lives. So how does that play out? Uh, we, have to we have to allow ourselves to be changed. We have to give, and there's, we have good reason to be changed. Can we bring up Jeremiah 7.17? 7, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. That's from Jeremiah. And remember our uh, 2 Timothy scripture? All scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So now you can start looking at this from a different point of view. It's not just a book. It's telling us something. It's telling us that we can trust this. It, we can use it to affect our lives, and we can start believing more. 
Uh, in order to trust the Word of God, we need to have faith in God. To have faith in God, we need to have believe in God. There has to be a change of heart that takes the God of our head and makes him the God of our heart. For that to truly happen, we need to give our lives over. Um, that's kind of every aspect of our lives. There has to be a transformation in our lives. Uh, it's not just, and it's every day, it's not just at church, it's not just at events, uh, but it's every day, whether we're visiting friends, with family, no matter what we're doing, God has to see a change in us, uh, even in the gaming world, obviously. I know I went to Darien Lake one time, and I saw Toby Mac for the first time. I had no idea what the guy was singing about. But there's young people raising their hands and praising God, and it's like, well, you know, he's talking to them, obviously, just like the gaming world is talking to these people that I would never have any idea. But the, one of the questions here is, will we allow this book to change our lives? And that's something we all have to ask ourselves. Do we really want it to transform us? That's a decision on our part now. We have to read it and with a whole new view. But could we bring up Romans 8.8? 8? That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you who are controlled by your sinful nature are controlled. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. That's powerful stuff. Oop, I got more, I'm sorry. And Christ lives with you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give you life to your mortal bodies by the same, living, same Spirit living within you. And if you think about it, the same Spirit that raised God from the dead is in you. That's pretty powerful in itself. Uh, could we bring up Titus 3, 4 to 8? But when our, sir, when our God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous, righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed our sins away, giving us a new birth, a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us, through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteousness. He declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. He gave us the confidence that we're going to inherit eternal life. There's nothing out there that can harm us. Let's bring up Matthew 10.4. Anyone who receives you receives me, and anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. Look at the apostles. They saw their king come and go. He was beaten, put on trial, crucified. Their leader was gone. What did they do? They didn't hide they kept on going. They're preaching the good news, their life with Jesus, uh, even though they could be put to death. And as we read from Josephus, at that time they were not put to death yet, but eventually uh, they were stoned, tortured, beheaded, crucified. They trusted, they had faith, and they believed. Uh, sometimes it's 
difficult to do, to have faith, to go out and proclaim the good news, but we're not faced with those issues, are we, those trials? Nobody's going to try to kill us for talking about Jesus, are they? And you've got to think about what's God been asking you to do lately? Are, and are you in communication with God? Uh, I remember Paul, right? Blinded and then uh, got his sight back and he became to be the, one of the greatest writers of Christian history, I guess you could say. Uh, could you bring up Philippians 4, 12 to 13? I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Well, that was written by Paul, and of course, you know, Paul, he was, was in prison for most of his Christian walk. Uh, of course, he was beaten, tortured, and <laughs> eventually killed. That uh, brings up a couple questions, though. Uh, are we reading God's Word for information? Are we reading it because that's what Christians do? Or for life transformation? Think about it. Do you want your life to be transformed? Uh, speaking of transformation, you all know Billy Graham, right? A uh, little, little side story about him. Uh, back in 1985, he was asked, he got the opportunity to preach in uh, Romania, and that was supposed to be a, he was going to talk at an Orthodox church. The public wasn't invited. Uh, somehow the public found out about it. Uh, 150,000 people showed up, and it was just Billy Graham walking into a church. First thing he talked about is, how am I going to talk to these people? He did this. He didn't say a word. He just showed them the Bible. A few years later, revolution came to that part of Romania, and much of that was credited to what Billy Graham did without speaking a word. That's the power that's in this book. So a uh, little thought here. If we cannot trust God to affect our lives, how can we be an effect in the world? So you're kind of wondering where all this is leading, right? Uh, can we bring up James 2.26? 2, 2, uh, Just as a body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Our actions, our words, our obedience are all reflections of our claim to be Christians. Um, who, do we interact with who do we interact with today? Who do you interact with yesterday? Who are you going to be interacting with two days from now? But think about it. Did they see Christ in you for whatever you're doing? Whether you're driving the car, whether you're talking to somebody in the store, did they see Christ in you? Because remember, the, Christ, the, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us. We can reflect that, that power. And remember, we're on mission. Uh, as Dan has said many a time, we're the outreach program. We bring up Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the, Holy, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. Everybody remember the, I don't know if you ever heard of the story of Philip and the 
Ethiopian. Philip heard that small, still voice that my wife talked about last week. And he was asked to go to, uh, from Jerusalem to Gaza. And he didn't know why, but he was just asked to go, so he went. Then the still, small voice said, go to that carriage. So he went to the carriage. And inside was an Ethiopian eunuch, which I think he was in pretty high standard, high standing in Ethiopia. But he was reading, of all books, Isaiah, and he didn't understand it. So Philip had to explain it all to him about Jesus Christ and the Savior and what happened. He got baptized that day. So by listening to that still, small voice, you can be guided. But you have to kind of be in communication with God at all times, praying, reading the Bible, and allowing the transformation to take place. Remember, we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. We have the power of Christ. We bring up Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is in your life, is revealed, the whole world you share in his glory. How is Christ in your life being revealed by being on mission? Our actions, our words, and our obedience. We bring up Matthew 10, 38 to 40. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Anyone who receives me receives you. Or anyone who receives you receives me. Anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. Take up your cross and follow me. What else did Jesus tell us to do? If we could bring up Luke 9. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when they come in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some of you are standing here will not taste death before they have seen the kingdom of God. Deny yourself. What did you, think about what Jesus had to go through before he could even pick up his cross. Let's go on. Let's do Matthew 22, 36 to 40. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord with your God, with Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. We bring up Matthew 5, 43 to 46. 
You have heard the laws that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good and sends rain down on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward, what reward is that? Even the corrupt tax collectors do that much. Pray for your enemies. That plays out pretty easy here, doesn't it? Anybody, how many of you drove here today? Anybody get cut off or see somebody run through a red light? <laughs> Did you pray for them? <laughs> think about that next time somebody disses you while you're driving pray for them you don't know what's going on in their lives or maybe somebody's hurt maybe somebody's injured that they need your prayers now but think about that uh, like I said it plays out real easy here pray for your enemies but what if you've been beaten and starved you're in a Japanese POW camp let's go back in time a little bit not too far back though December 7th 1941. Anybody know? Pearl Harbor. Anybody know what happened four months after that? One guy knew. Usually nobody ever knows that answer. Four months after that, we sent 16 bombers and they bombed Japan, believe it or not. And one of the fellows that was in one of the planes... A guy named Jacob DeShazier, he was taken prisoner, and he spent all of World War II in a POW prison camp. He was tortured, starved, beaten, put in solitary confinement. When he described the weather, he said, at one point I woke up in the morning and the spoon was frozen in the bowl of my food because it was that cold that night. And all he really had was a piece of burlap to keep warm in. Uh, he saw three of his friends executed, and one just died in captivity. Of course, there was bugs, rats, lice. They got a half a cup of water a day and not much food. The whole time span he spent there was 40 months. Uh, at some point, a guard smuggled a Bible into him, believe it or not. And they said that that Bible had a profound impact on their lives. It gave them hope. It's that book again, isn't it? Well, that still small voice came to him and he listened to it because August 9th he was told to pray for peace. So he started praying and in the afternoon he was told to stop praying for peace. August 9th, 1945, Nagasaki was bombed. He thought of how great it was that I'm getting the news before the rest of the world. He was told to pray again. The still small voice came to him again. So he prayed. A couple days later he was released. He was a free man now. But the still small voice talked to him one more time and he said, you know what you're going to have to do? You have to come back here and be my witness. So after all that, now he's got to pick up his cross and follow Jesus. Fast forward ahead to 1950. Somebody heard him speak. Were very moved by what he had to say about Jesus and was saved. The man's name was Mitsuo, I never get the name right, Mitsuo Fushudio. He's the guy that orchestrated the bombing of Pearl Harbor. 
Now, talking about an amazing chain of events that only God could have put together. So think about that. Deny yourself and take up your cross. What did he have to do to do that? Uh, before I close, I had asked Daryl to learn a new song. You've been practicing and working on it. Unfortunately, he is sick today, so we're going to do it through, this, through a CD. So if you could pray for Daryl. I was, I was pulling for you, Daryl. We're going to have the words on the screen. And I kind of like, the, don't, it's a worship song, I guess, but I'd like you to kind of close your eyes and listen to what the words are saying. It takes place on the Ganges River, and I'd like to kind of put yourself there and try to witness what's happening. The mission field is out there. It's not in here. It's not at the coffee bar. This really happened. My wife and I got a chance to meet the guy that wrote the song. And this was back in 93, I think it was. The missionary came up, and a woman had just drowned her baby because she hadn't heard the word of, word of Jesus. Now, think that's how important this is. You know, you're online. It might, might sound silly to us, but it's important. It's, it's important to all of us. I, I don't know how we could stress it any more than that. Uh, there's a dying world out there, literally. And I'd just like to leave you with a couple more scriptures. Uh, I think one of these you have, one, one you don't have. Uh, the one you don't have is Romans 10, 13. I just kind of got this before I came up here. Uh, Romans 10, 13 to 17. For everyone who, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard of him? And how can they hear hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go to tell them without being sent? That's why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. We're the messengers. And as soon as we walk out that door, we're entering the mission field. And that's the importance of it. And all you young mothers, think about that. What, they, what this woman did to her baby. Just because she thought she was doing the right thing. Uh, second one is I'm leaving with, of course, is going back to Isaiah 41 to 41:10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious hand. At no point in time are we persecuted to the point where somebody's going to kill us. The worst thing that they're going to say is you're an idiot and move on. So spreading the gospel has got to be at the forefront of all we do whether we're interacting with family, friends, or whatever it is we're doing. You know, I, I can't stress that enough. It's, it's important. Uh, Dan, would you like to close us in prayer? Thank you for that message, Joe. Uh, sometimes we lose sight of the urgency of the gospel. Reminds me of a friend in high school that I did not share the gospel to, and he committed suicide. There's an urgency, friends, to us preaching the gospel. There is a hell. There is a heaven. There is a separation from God that we do not want anyone to suffer. Amen? Have God speak to your heart today in areas of your life that you need to surrender to God so that you can live a glorious life in proclaiming the gospel through 
everything that you do and everything that you say. There might be people there that have never seen Jesus, have never been in a church to hear about Jesus, but when they see you, they see Jesus. That's a beautiful thing. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the Spirit of the Lord is changing us and making us more like Him as we go from glory to glory and faith to faith. As we close in prayer today, I want you to think about your family. I want you to think about your friends. I want you to think about how God loves them and He died for them and He wants to bring them into a wonderful relationship with Christ. God, we love you today. First of all, as believers here today, we thank you for calling us. We thank you for your love chasing us down. The scandalous love that went into the depths of our evil, evil heart and said, I love you even so. God, we can never say enough words to say thank you for saving us, for redeeming us. That we have a, a relationship with you of intimacy and, and, and personal relationship that needs to extend out of ourselves into a broken and lost world. You promised in John chapter 7 that he who believes in me, rivers of living water will flow out of him. Lord, if our waters have become a swamp, we pray, O oh Lord, flush us. Allow us to get out of ourselves. Minister with love and grace to a lost and dying world. There's an urgency in the air. There's an urgency today that we get our lives right with God. We allow God to use us for his glory and honor. Lord, as we go this week, we're going to be amazed on how God uses us, on how you use us and how you, you use even us in our weaknesses and insufficiencies for your glory and honor. So go with us this week as this message rolls around in our heart and in our mind the urgency of preaching the gospel and being Jesus to those that are lost and broken. We pray that you'll stir us until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.